Christmas is pretty misunderstood the world over, isn't it? Some people look around and they say, well, Christmas is just all about being together, all these people and the warm fuzzies from all these people. Some other folks, they look around at the world and they say, whoa, isn't this such a wonderful time of unity and peace on earth? I'm going like, what world are they looking at? Legendary music group Hanson, you know these guys? They belt out these words, Christmas means to me my love. I'll give you like $1,000 if you can tell me what that means. Christmas means to me my love. Christmas is plagued by all kinds of misunderstanding, and I know, right? Like the very last thing you need or want is the one millionth person telling you what the real meaning of Christmas is, right? But I want to show you something. Isaiah chapter 9, Old Testament prophet, listen to what the prophet Isaiah speaks. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, he's talking about a death kind of darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel. Its people will rejoice. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. That is the real meaning of Christmas. In particular, that one verse, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, distills every single thing that Christmas is about. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. That's it. That's Christmas. And for us to grasp the gravity of just what that means, we need to look back just ahead of Isaiah chapter 9 to Isaiah chapter 8. Because you notice that Isaiah chapter 9 starts with that little word, nevertheless. Do you see that? Which means that what happened above that word, nevertheless, is informing us of everything that's coming next, what did happen in chapter 8. Really, very simply, it's a pretty brutal account of all the ways that all the people were wandering in the darkness. It's about the Israelites. They're crushed by famine in that time. They're starving. Their society literally is coming apart at the seams. And they're running around everywhere to and fro, stubbing their toes and worse. Why? Because of the great darkness. And they're searching and they're searching and they're searching in the darkness in this fantastic effort to find all of the answers to all of their problems. Trouble is, though, that they're looking in the wrong place for the answers. They're looking only deeper into the darkness of this world for the answers to the problems that they're facing. In 1985, I was 11. And on July 13, 1985, a never-before-attempted dual-venue worldwide concert event called Live Aid. Remember this? Live Aid. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. 
It was a dual venue concert held simultaneously at Wembley Stadium in London, England. 72,000 people jammed in there. John F. Kennedy Stadium in Philadelphia, 100,000 people jammed in there. You remember now? And Live Aid was organized to raise money for relief of the ongoing Ethiopian famine. And it literally was one of the largest scale satellite link-ups television broadcasts of all time in 1985. Check this out. An estimated global audience of 1.9 billion people across 150 nations watched that broadcast live. And the capstone of that concert, that event, was a song. Do you know what song I'm talking about? Is a song called We Are the World? Because some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Listen. We are the world. We are the children. You can sing along if you want. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start giving. And so you had all these really famous musicians up there on those stages, arms around each other, sort of jockeying for microphone positions if you watch the YouTube videos, and they're swaying to that song. And on that stage that day, singing that song in 1985 was none other than Bob Dylan. And as Bob Dylan sang that song, you could just tell he was getting more and more and more uncomfortable with this song. And after the event was all over, there's this great big press conference, all the performers patting each other on the back, mutual admiration society, you know. And they asked him, Mr. Dylan, what was up? How come you were so uncomfortable with that song? And here's what he said, simple answer. Humankind cannot save itself. And everyone was like, whoa, we are the world, though. He's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Humankind cannot save itself. And I know it's Christmas, and we're supposed to talk about uplifting messages, but that right there, humankind cannot save itself, is the real message of Christmas. That's it. Humanity cannot save itself. The world cannot save itself. Looking to the world, the darkness of the world, for the answers to our problems will not ever solve them, I promise. And in Isaiah chapter 8, it's the account of the Israelites' attempt to look to the darkness of the world to solve all their problems, and it went terribly. All they could see was more distress, more darkness, more gloom, because it's true. The world and humanity cannot save itself which is why you've never been, ever been so happy to see the word nevertheless as you are when you see it as the first word of Isaiah chapter nine, nevertheless. Like all that aside, no matter how dark it was, no matter how dark it is, there's this light, capital L light, that's about to break into this great death darkness. And finally, the people who walk in darkness will finally see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep death darkness, finally a light will shine. There's a light that's going to dawn, but it's not any kind of light that anyone can just conjure up on our own. You can't make it. This light can only be revealed from the outside to us. That's the meaning and message of Christmas. There's a light that's going to dawn and it doesn't come from us, it comes from way, way beyond us and it's God himself intervening in this darkness, breaking into this darkness and the only thing we can do with this light is we can see it. We can see it. And part of the meaning of Christmas is that this world is an incredibly dark place 
And into this dark place comes Jesus Christ, the light, the star, bringing and offering and revealing really what is unparalleled hope for every single person who's ever lived. And without God's love that sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world, then there is no light. There just isn't. And a whole bunch of people, though, are pretty busy trying to deny the reality of just how dark this world is. You know what I'm talking about? Some people say things like, oh, it's not that dark. Things aren't that bad. They kind of go off whistling Dixie into the dark and they go skiing and they go work out and they go to a movie and they go sit on the couch and watch TV. They go to a party and they get drunk all in a feeble attempt to escape and deny the reality of the darkness of this world. Oh, it's not that bad. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. But you know what wise people do? Wise people doesn't try to escape. Wise people don't try to deny the darkness. Instead, wise people say, you know, this world is really dark. They just call it for what it is. It's dark. And they look to the light. And they say, at Christmas time, God became a child. He lived as a man. He died a criminal's death on a cross because he loves me and he's my light. All my security is found in him because this stuff, it's all dark. Very, very dark. And I need Jesus to be my light. That is the message of Christmas. And that is the cry of wise people the world over. And Christmas says that not only does God bring light into this great darkness, but he does it in the most unlikely and unexpected ways, doesn't he? Through a mamzer. A mamzer is a child whose parents are not married, and that's exactly how Jesus came. Jesus' cradle, it was a feeding trough, right? Jesus' fellow nursery mates had four legs and didn't smell very good. Jesus' first clothes were literally rags. And we're talking about a man who was born in a cave, was targeted for death at a very early age, and was raised on the run. You're like, really? That's the light? Absolutely. Out of the most unlikely and unexpected places, the light breaks into the dark. And we shrug our shoulders and we go, God, why would you do it that way? He did that. Get this. So that every single Christmas, we see that Christmas is above everything else about your and my hope. It's about your and my hope. Because it doesn't matter how hopeless things may seem right now. The light is breaking in. I promise. This old dark world specializes in writing people off, doesn't it? Just think about the countless predictions about sports, politics, the economy, all about who's in and who's out, whose tide is rising, whose star is plummeting, people writing other people off. Maybe some of you feel as though you've been written off. Oh, they'll never change, they say. Oh, that situation can't ever be fixed. Oh, they're way beyond hope. People writing other people off. And here's what God does. God steps right into the middle of the most hopeless-looking situations in the entire world, the most unlikely situations, the most unexpected people and places and things. And he right there, where things are the very, very darkest, he works his very greatest miracles. That's Christmas. 
Does what you've been through, the darkness of what you've done, how hopeless things may seem to you, does any of that matter? It absolutely does. And here's why. Because God loves to do his very greatest miracles with people just like you and just like me who are in the midst of a dark mess. And that's Christmas. That's it. And you take all that and you scoop it up and it really lands in a pretty personal place for every single one of us. Not the people next to you, you. It lands in a personal place for you with a question. And here's the question. Have you allowed Jesus Christ, the one who is the light in this darkness, check this out now, to take over the government and the authority of your life? Pretty personal. Have you allowed Jesus, who is the light in this darkness, to take over the government and authority of your life? And that's a really humbling thing to do. To come to God and go, you know, God, it's really dark. And I've been a part of some really, really dark things. And I need you, Jesus, to save me from the darkness, to be my light. It's an incredibly humbling thing to say. And yet when you consider how very much Jesus humbled himself to come near to us, he was God, yet he put on human flesh. Talk about humbling. It would make sense, wouldn't it, that we would need to do the very same thing. And some people I know, some people come to God saying things like, God, you sure owe me. God, you sure owe me because I've lived a really, really good life. You should see my resume. God, you owe me because I've been such a good person. God, you owe me because I've tried my very best. And if you could see the lemonade that I've made out of all these lemons, God, you'd be so proud. God, you owe me. And God says, whoa, 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 wait, wait, just a minute. Humility is how you approach me. In humility. Jesus comes to us after all and he says, you want me? You want eternal life, you want abundant life, and you want all my blessings. And he says, you come to me, a word we don't use very often, in meekness. You come to me in meekness. And then he says this other phrase that is as equally uncommon. And you come to me, check this out, with a poverty of spirit. You come to me in meekness and in a poverty of spirit. Your hands not filled with claim checks and resumes and God, you owe me's. Instead, we come to him and say, God, all I've got is darkness and I need you to be my light. All I've got is darkness and I desperately need you to be my light, all because of what you did on the cross. Jesus, I need you. I need you to come be my light. Save me from the darkness of all of this. Humbly. In a poverty of spirit, meekly. Jesus, I need you. I'm gonna invite you, if you would, to take your things and set them aside, and I'm gonna invite you to move into a posture of prayer and reflection with the Lord, if you would. And maybe you'd just reflect on that question sort of set it into the first person. Have I allowed Jesus Christ, the one who is the light in the darkness, to take over the government of my life?
Have I done that? Have I allowed Jesus Christ, the one who is the light in the darkness, to take over the government of my life? You just hear from God. Reflect with him on the answer to that question. I'm just going to ask you to stay in this posture of prayer and reflection with the Lord. Hearing and reflecting with him. I'm just going to sort of talk over the top of it if you'll let me. I've got no doubt whatsoever that this room is filled with people who unashamedly say, yes, I absolutely have allowed Jesus Christ to take over the government and authority of my life. And if that's you, I just go like, way to go. Keep that up. Maybe you've got some stuff that the Lord wants to cement with you about what that looks like and what that means. I'd invite you to do that in this time. I'd also hazard a guess that there's a bunch of people here in this room today who've been approaching God with hands full of claim checks saying, God, you owe me. And today, would you hear the whisper of God saying, ha, 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 It's about humility. And it's about you declaring your need for me. God says, it's about you declaring your need for me. And maybe today is the day when you approach God humbly for the first time in your entire life. And you just say, God, I need you. All I've got is darkness, and I've been such a part of the darkness. I've been bringing the darkness, for that matter. But I want you, Jesus, to be my light. Why wouldn't you just settle that today? Once and for all, just square up with God. And if that's you, if you're saying, you know, I need you, Jesus, today, I just invite you to pray with me right where you are. Just follow along with me. Say, Jesus, I've sinned. Jesus, I've even sinned greatly. I've been such a part of this great darkness. And Jesus, I need you. I can't save myself from this. I need you. So by faith and faith alone, I receive, Jesus, your gift of salvation. Will you come and be my savior, be my boss, set up your government, establish your authority in my heart and life? Jesus, you call the shots. And I don't have much, but I got a whole lot of gratitude to you, Jesus, for your death on the cross, for your rising from the dead for me. Here I am, all of me trusting you 
And that decision right there to cross the line of faith in Jesus Christ, that's what we call it around here. Crossing the line of faith in Jesus Christ is the most significant decision of your whole life. It's like a hinge on which the rest of your life swings, everything. Such a big deal around here, we invite people to tell us when they make that decision. This is a private deal. Every head is bowed. Hear me say that. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And if you prayed with me just then to cross the line of faith in Jesus Christ, to trust him as savior and boss, would you be so bold right now as to just slip your hand up really high, just stick it high in the air, yeah, way to go. Just do it now and keep it up and lock eyes with me if you would, yeah, absolutely. Over here to my left, over there to my left, absolutely. And the, yeah, right there. Just leave your hands up if you would, just, just hang tight. It's a momentous occasion. You can do that right now, yes, here and here. And over there, yes, absolutely. And back there and there and there. There's a bunch of you over there, absolutely, yes, absolutely. To my right, yeah, right here, absolutely. To my right, yeah, you. No more darkness, no more darkness. I need you, Jesus, right here, absolutely, sweetie, yes. And you, yes, you, absolutely. You're saying yes to Jesus, way to go. And there, and there, there yes and there and there and over there yeah way to go and there right there yes absolutely coming out of the darkness Jesus is your light yeah over there yeah way to go man way to go yes and in here, yes, yeah, I see you, ma'am, yes, way to go, absolutely, right here, yes, and there, and here, and here, and here, yeah, yes, 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 there, yeah, God, we say thank you. We say thank you for your saving work that you're doing in this time and space. And God, we're just overwhelmed by your goodness to us, especially that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be the light in this great darkness. Can't imagine this life and we can't imagine this world without you, our hope. And so we trust you. We put our hope in you, all of it. Because Jesus, you're the best. And Jesus, you rule and you reign. And you are, Jesus, our supreme authority. We trust you with everything we got. Amen.